I tell you what, we are so thankful uh, just for what God has been doing. It has been a busy three couple of weeks or so here at EVC as we went straight from VBS into last week, our student ministry camp, which again, as Kyle said, uh, we saw several of our students uh, accept Christ there. And uh, on Thursday night, uh, Jennifer and I and, and Bart and Hope got to go out and just experience worship with our kids. And there were 1,300 kids at camp, and just seeing them worship with abandon uh, there on that Thursday was just incredible. Just, and I'm so proud of what God is doing in our student ministry. It's just, it's interesting as I think about five and a half years ago, uh, as I got had the opportunity to come here to EVC and Kyle uh, as our student minister. You know, we, we took a trip, uh, and it was a, our, the first camp that he and I went on, and Jennifer and I actually went with both our girls on this camp as well. We went, went to a beach camp down in Florida, and uh, beach camp turned into rain camp as we got about a foot and a half of rain while we were there near Panama City. And, uh, you know, it was a small group of kids and uh, just, you know, looking for direction and where they were going to go. And I am so proud of our students we have an incredible group. I just want to tell you, parents, if your students are not participating in this student ministry, it is an incredible opportunity. As uh, Allison and Kara, both uh, Kara went as a sponsor this last week to camp, and that was exciting for her as she saw four of her girls that she was uh, with at camp uh, except Christ, and two of those were the same two that, uh, that uh, Kyle talked about earlier. But but it's just, and then Allison, to see her grow up, she's only uh, really known one student pastor in her life, which was such a blessing because as a, as a pastor, one of the reasons why I believe in longevity and going and being someplace for a long period of time is, is to see what God wants to do through us through that time period because I didn't have that as a student. I had a very large youth ministry that I grew up in in northwest Arkansas, and I never had a youth pastor more than a year and a couple of months. And so I've been very committed. I'm so thankful Kyle's been very committed to really give God's word to our kids. I want to, I want to tell you what our kids studied at camp this week, okay? How about the book of Leviticus? And I am not lying, okay? Kara called us when she wanted to share with us just what was going on at camp. But she said, there, he, the, the camp pastor's preaching through Leviticus. And I said, no, he's not. <laughs> Quit. No, he's not. She said, yeah, he is. He said he's going over all the, the feasts in, in understanding the feasts in the Old Testament and how they all point to Jesus Christ. And, just, and so our kids got the word of God, and they got heavy doctrine this week. This is not any, hey, this is all an emotional camp high type of stuff. This was an incredible time period for them. And I'm just so excited and thrilled for what God is doing. Then this week, yesterday, our group left to go to Honduras, and they are safely up uh, near the coast called La Ceiba. They'll drive on in to uh, Saba, and uh, Pastor Bart will be giving a message tonight at our sister church that we work with in the village. It's called La Pradera. They'll start tomorrow with a VBS with uh, about 300 kids and uh, also uh, doing a construction project. And so just continue to pray for them. All right? Will you guys pray for them? All right. That's really sorry, okay? I am, I am disappointed in you. I'm done. I'm out. All right. No. Will you, there we go. Okay. Will you guys pray for them? Yeah. Right. Thank you. All right, I'm so glad that you will do that as we, as we continue on with this. Just excited. I'm so thrilled for, for Bart and Luke to be, go, be able to go on this trip together. Last year, I got to experience going with Kara and Allison. And moms and dads, unapologetically, I'm going to ask you to consider and to pray about sending your kids on an opportunity to do work somewhere else in the world. 
okay? Whether it's with us in Montreal or Malawi or Honduras, wherever God enables them. Parents, what a difference it is as I look at my daughters and I see a confidence in them that has come about because they've pushed and they've stepped out and they've followed what God wanted them to do. Right now, I can tell you, Kara has gone to Honduras more times than I have. And if I tell her, babe, I don't think it's good for you to go this year, she goes, oh, I'm going. All right? You may not go. Mom may not go. I don't care. But I'm going. All right? Because her passion. I wish, parents, that you could see what I see as her dad. And as I go in and I see these hordes of little girls and boys that are just drawn like magnets to her. And to see that impact her life and how she lives back here differently because of what she gets to experience. All right? For you and I, last year, or for you perhaps, you see uh, these kids coming up from Honduras as, a, uh, as an issue of our immigration. I see the children of La Pradera, and I can't get them off my heart. You see, my, my viewpoint has totally changed. And your children have that opportunity uh, that their lives can be incredibly impacted and changed in that same way. So I know it's expensive, okay? I do. I know it's sometimes a hardship to do. But I'm telling you, to know what my daughters have experienced and to know how their lives are, have been changed as a result of it, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. So that's just my little, my little statement, my little soapbox that parents, I really want to encourage you. It means you have to plan. I mean, we'll be going again next year. So if you think this is something for them, start planning now. You may have a seventh grader that you want them to go in three years. Start putting something back now to make that possible, all right? We've been talking about it, and we've been in this series called Free. Pastor Bart, early on as we talked about this, talked about how forgiveness frees our lives up to a place where we can begin to forgive others, and we can let go of some of those things. And then the last couple of weeks, I've talked about that we don't have to be afraid of others. We don't have to be fearful of humanity because of what Christ is in us. Because if God is for us, who can be against us, right? All right? Okay, now listen. This is going to be a long day if you do not help me. If God is for us, who can be against us, right? Thank you. All right. So as we go with this and we see some of these things, and last week we talked about that we don't have to be afraid of anxiety, depression, or the devil in our lives. Again, because what, if, what Christ has done. And that's what this all is about. As we have sung about this morning, as Shauna has said, we break these chains. That God would break these chains that hold us back. And today we're going to be talking about that we, don't have to, we can be free of our past. We don't have to allow our past and the things that we've experienced. Now, I know some of the folks that I'm talking to today. I know that some of you have dealt with just a sinful pattern in your life. And you would say something like this to me, Randy, you don't know my heart. You don't know my life. And you don't, I don't think God can forgive me for some of the things I've done. You don't know the addiction that I've walked through. You don't know that I was a child of divorce and I struggled with that. And I thought it was my fault. And I, I, I saw my parents fight. You don't know that I was sexually abused in my past. And you don't know what woundedness that that's done to me. You may be that person saying all those things, and you're right. I don't know. But what I know is this. Jesus Christ came to break you free from all those chains that seem to hold you back of these issues of your life. And that's what I want us to declare over us today. Now, I want to start with Philippians chapter 3. We're going to look basically all in Philippians chapter 3. And this first verse really doesn't have a lot to do with this message, but I have to speak it out over you because as I read it, I went, that's why I'm here at EBC. This is why Bart and I uh, 
as we, as we lead, as we pastor, as we do these things together, as we see what God wants to do, this verse really speaks it out. Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. The bottom line is that you and I would rejoice in Him. And I never get tired of telling you these things. And I do it to safeguard your faith. That's why we do what we do. That's why we are the church of Jesus Christ. Here, That is why we are the church of the broken and the screwed up. And we admit that. That that was our past. But that is not who we are. Because it's to safeguard our faith. I'm so thankful that our student ministry and our children's ministry get the word of God into their lives. I'm so thankful that we don't have to deal with or we don't have to stay on just surface issues of life. That we can go into the meat of God's word and can study it and can challenge you to study it on your own. And that we on this in this fall will go into a series about prayer because we need to be stronger in prayer at EVC, okay? I'm just telling you that is a weakness that we have seen overall and we want to take steps into that to strengthen and to safeguard your faith. Because as you go into this world in a culture that is totally opposing who Christ is, you need to be strong in these things. We want you to be free to accomplish what God wants to in your life. But there are two kinds of people that I know I'm speaking to today. One I've already mentioned a little bit. In the, as you are looking at and thinking about your past, you say, Randy, if you knew my past, you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't think that I would even be here to hear this message because you are that person who's been abused. You are that person who basically feels this. You ask this question, is God big enough to love me? With everything that I've been through, you ask that question, is God really big enough to love me? Well, you see, that's an issue of why Satan fell from heaven to begin with, and it's the issue of pride. And by the way, Satan will always use this issue of pride to get our attention and focus off of Jesus Christ. That's what we talked a little bit about last week, but I want to reiterate it this week because this issue of pride is why he fell. And you saying, is God really big enough that he could love me is an issue of pride. It's the backside of pride, which is a false humility that says this, do I really believe that God is big enough for that? There's another group of people that are here today, and you are these folks who would say this, you look at your past and you kind of swell with pride at all the spiritual things that you've done and how you've kind of, that if God were going to love anyone, he would love you. Well, that's the other side of pride. The other side of pride says, I've done all these things. Look at all the, the, the weight of righteousness that I have mounted up on my side of the equation. And see, both of them, both of these are issues of pride and both views lead us to ultimate, utter destruction. And so pride is the issue of our lives. Pride is the issue of our past. You'd say, how is pride an issue of my past when I don't think I amount to to anything? I don't think God can love me. It's because you don't think God is big enough for you. And God is big enough. So let's, let's dive into this today. The first thing I want you to see is that we have to calculate our effort. We have to calculate our effort. Philippians 3.3 says this. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. And we put no confidence in human effort. We put no confidence in human effort. What that is basically and essentially saying is there is nothing you and I can do to earn our way into righteousness with God. There is, no, there is nothing that we can accomplish, no, no righteous acts that we can stack up that will weigh the end of the scales in the, at the end of, of our lives that say our good deeds outweigh our bad deeds. And many of our brothers and sisters in faith 
that, that we look at sometimes stack up those righteous things and think that it's really based on our righteousness that we earn our way into heaven. And we've got to calculate our effort that that's not the way that Christ has called us. That's not the way he's called us to. Here's what effort. Webster says this. It is a vigorous or determined attempt. A vigorous or determined attempt. Whenever I look at dictionaries, I really like to go back to the Webster's in the 1800s. I love some of their definitions. Here's what Webster's of 1828 says. It's a straining, an exertion of strength, an endeavor, a strenuous exertion to accomplish an object. Now, the focus of our message today is not going to go into the next few verses, but let me tell you what they say. Paul goes into this litany of of response to this group called the Judaizers. Now, our men's life group on Saturday mornings, we've been studying the book of Galatians, and it deals with this same group called the Judaizers. And here's what the Judaizers would say. It's not just Christ and Christ alone that brings us salvation. It's Jesus and all the Old Testament law. It's Jesus plus all these other things. And here's the thing I would tell you, because I heard it said over our kids at camp this week. Anytime you see Jesus plus something else, it is not a statement of faith. It is a statement of your effort. And that's what your determined attempt to gut this thing out that we call salvation. And that's not what God calls us to. But Paul lists this litany of things. And he says, okay, you Judaizers, if you guys are going to compare righteous acts Let me list my righteous acts. And he goes through all the things that he was prior to Christ. He was a Pharisee. He was a Jew. He was also a Roman citizen. And he just lists all these things that he was so zealous for his faith that he would kill and persecute Christians. That's what Paul says. Look, if you're going to line up all these, what you're calling righteous acts, I'm guessing mine are going to compare to yours pretty well. And they're going to weigh it all out. But then he says this. Which brings us to the crux of what we really need to deal with. Verse 7 of chapter 3 says, I once thought that these things, and the things he's talking about are the things I just listed, all his efforts were valuable. I once thought they were valuable, but now I consider them, and what does it say? Worthless. Because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is, what is it? When compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. We're going to do a little math in here today. How many mathematicians do I have in the room? That's what I feared. Okay, we have very few mathematicians in the room, all right? But it's a real easy math equation, okay? I just want to walk you through. Remember those two people that I said are in the room today are people who look back at their past. Well, some of us, because of the pride from our past, we we look at it like this. We grew up in a Christian home. This is kind of, this would be my stack of stuff if this were me, okay? I grew up in a Christian home. I actually, I, I went to church in the womb. You know what I'm saying, okay? My mother took me to church before I was ever born, and, uh, some people said I have a drug problem because I was drugged to church all the time. Okay. Old, old joke. Where's, the, where's Mark McAllister when I need him? But um, Okay. But here's the thing. I, regular church attendance. I, I was baptized three different times. Now, that's a whole other message entirely. But I wanted to be so in line right spiritually with what I was supposed to do that I accepted Christ when I was uh, about seven years of age. And so I got baptized then. Right after that. But then later I was like, I doubted this, this whole process of salvation. I went to youth camp and somebody said, okay, we need to be baptized again. I said, oh, so I did that. I was baptized a third. I wanted everything to be right. What does that sound like? My effort. 
That's what I wanted. I went on mission trips. I gave regularly. I mean, these are all things, and you could list your litany of spiritual activities, but what does Paul say about those things? They are, they all add up, and they are found to be lacking. They're worthless. Now, what I am not saying to you, you're going, this is a message about your past, or my past, and you're telling me I'm worthless. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that when you look at all these activities and you line them all up, they add up to worthlessness when it comes to actually achieving this process of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, others of you would say, in my shame from my past, this is who I am. I'm a child of divorce. Do, do you know what that did to me? Is I thought that my whole parents' issue, that my parents' issues were my issues. They thought that I thought that's that's where I was. I thought that's who I was. I was abused. I struggle with addiction. I, I've been in patterned, patterns of sin. I've been wounded by others. I have wounded others. What does Paul say that that lines up as? It's worthless. You're not worthless. But you see, here's the, the truth that I want to share with us today. Listen, your past and the, the past righteous activities that you've done can't lead you to Christ can't stack up enough that you would your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds. And here's the truth. Your bad deeds, all the things that you've done and whatever's in your past cannot add up to keep you out of the love that Christ has for us either. They all add up and they are found to be lacking. And here's the truth today. Some of you that this would be your, your shame from your past would, would add up to this. Some of you are closer to the kingdom of God because Jesus said, remember what he said, it is easier for a rich man or for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. What Jesus was speaking of is those who do not go through difficulty have a much difficult, much more difficult time understanding that their lives are not where it adds up, that their righteous acts can't get them into a place of faith with Jesus Christ. You see, it's worthless garbage when it comes down to it. We need to see our past successes and our failures as worthless garbage in their ability to hold us back or support our future. Now, here's the question. How many of you are dog lovers and you have dogs in this room? Raise your hands. Now, keep them up. Did I tell you to put your hand down, Scott Dose? No, I didn't. All right. Keep them up. Now, here's the real test, all right? I see those hands. All right. Which of you are the scheduled dog poop scooper in your house? All right. There we go. See all the heads down. Now, you people really love your dogs, all right? That's it. So you can put your hands down. Now, here's, here's this. Now, you, don't believe, you may not believe this, but this is a dog pooping story that God really led me to share something. All right? As Pastor Bart would say, this is the person who has the duty, duty, if you know what I'm saying. All right? I love little Walmart bags or Target bags or Kroger or Albertsons or Tom Thumb or any other place that wants to donate money to EBC. I don't know. But I love those bags because I use those bags at my house. I have three ladies that live in my house. So guess who is the scheduled dog pooper scooper at our house? Well, yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's me. I am really sad at times that my daughters are not more rebellious than they are because I could have made them go out and scoop up dog poop because that seems like a really great punishment for that type of thing. But I am literally, this has been well over a couple years ago, I am picking up dog poop one day, putting it in a sack, keep going, and it's like and God says, you know, Randy, that's a lot like what I experienced with you. 
I'm serious, okay? So, and he goes, you know, Randy, you know, as a pastor, you know what you really are? I'm like, okay, God, really, what, what am I? He goes, you're like the sack that you're picking all this stuff. Now, hang on. You guys are going, and where is he going with this? <laughs> no one more than my wife right now. <laughs> is, is, so, but as a pastor, you know what the best thing that I can do as a, as a part of the body of Christ, the best thing that we can do for one another? I can't take your pain away. I can't. I wish that I could. I wish that I could walk into to your life and just the pain of all the past hurt in your past would go away. I, I don't have that power. But God says, Randy, you collect it and you hold it. And then how many of you are thankful for your trash people? Okay. I want to encourage you, leave notes for those guys. Go out and take your trash out when they're there and thank them for doing a thankless job. Can you imagine what our world would be without those men and women who who do that? But here's what he said to me. Their role is the Holy Spirit. That's what I do. He goes, I take it away. You can't take it away. All you can do is collect it and hold others. I take it away. And so I know that your past is a bunch of poop in your life that God wants to collect and he wants to take it and he wants to remove. As he says, as we looked at earlier, all these things that add up, whether good things or horrible things, they add up to worthlessness in our life. And he wants to grab hold of those and take them away to enable you to live the kind of life that he wants you to live. You won't forget that illustration. I can assure you of that. It really comes down to this. Nothing you can do or ever have done will make you righteous or pure in God's sight. Or effort your way into heaven. And nothing you do or ever have done will keep you from receiving that righteousness if you have that relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? Now this is dealing with salvation. Paul takes another step. And he starts to deal with something different than just salvation. He starts to deal with the issue of sanctification. By the way, the words that our students learned this week, salvation, uh, justification, sanctification, expiation, you guys don't even know what that words mean. I'm not going to tell you because that means our students have more not spiritual knowledge than some of you right now because of the things that they did this week. But he moves into a whole other process called sanctification. Now, we've talked about it before, but the second point is this. Not only do we calculate our effort, we have to clarify what our focus really is in this life. And Paul moves from talking about salvation, which we cannot earn, to moving to understanding sanctification and discipleship, which is something that we call work in this life, all right? So he's talking about something different. Verse 12, he says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things. Now, had Paul achieved salvation? Yes, But now he's saying something different. I don't mean that I've already achieved these things, which I've already reached perfection. Paul says, I'm not perfect. But I do what? I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Christ Jesus wants you to be perfected every day more than the day before as you walk in this life because that's why he first possessed you. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. What Paul says is this, this next part of the equation is work. 
It means that I forget what is behind and I press on. This is a difficult thing for us to do. It's one thing to think that God can't save us because of what, we have, what we've done. And we've tried to obliterate that this morning. So Jesus Christ can break through whatever your particular scene is. But it's a whole other thing to realize that our past will keep us from a closer walk with Jesus Christ on a daily basis if we don't do the hard work of faith to press on to that next level of our lives. And it's work. And the more that you've been through, the more work that it is. And I understand that it's work. And I do not believe that a three-point message this morning is going to give you everything that you need to walk through all the issues of your life and your past. And because of that, this fall, we're going to do a group together called Making Peace with Your Past. And I want to encourage you, if you have dealt with significant issues of abuse uh, or issues of your past or dealing with your parents or hardships that have been along the way. I want to encourage you. That's a great group to take a next step of obedience in. But says Paul says, press on. He says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize. Now, this is why we know that he's not speaking of salvation. The prize is not a heavenly prize of salvation because we already possess salvation here. What Paul is saying is at one day, just like we sang about this morning, I'm going to lay these crowns at Jesus' feet. You know what crowns he's talking about? He's talking about spiritual crowns, but some of those crowns are this. It's the lives and souls of other believers that have come to faith in Christ because you and I have pressed on and we've matured in our faith and we've gone to the point, like Trinity has gone to the point of inviting friends to come to faith in Christ. And because she's done that, she's pressed on and other people will be in the kingdom and she can say to Jesus Christ, I lay these people because of what I've seen in my life and what I've pressed through in my life and what I've gone above and beyond of my fears to overcome them. Now I press on to lay these people at your feet. Now he's talking about spiritual crowns, but it's also people who have been affected because you've pressed on in this life and you've gone to this point of sanctification and you've continued to work this out. Here's the truth. If you don't press through your past, if you don't press and do the hard work that it's going to take to forgive others, as we've talked about, to be free from some of these addictions, to to walk this road. If you don't work that through, there'll be people who don't come to faith in Christ because they didn't see him in you. I'm so proud of Kathy Fassett. Kathy is a mom of two. She's never been out of the country. She was scared to death to go to Honduras. And about six months ago, she said, I want to go. She said, I'm going to tell you later that I don't want to go, but I'm telling you now I want to go. I said, get your passport. She went to get her passport. I said, because that will be your biggest excuse. I don't have a passport. I can't go. She got her passport. She was scared to death yesterday morning when she was getting on that airplane to go to a different place, a place that she didn't know if she'd like the food and all these things, but she pressed on. Our students pressed on this week. It's a great illustration of this. You see what this is? This is the Golden Frisbee, all right? Do you know what the Golden Frisbee is? How many of you know what the Golden Frisbee is? There's a couple of you who do, all right, but you are associated with our camp. This is the Golden Frisbee. Now, it doesn't seem like much. I mean, it's just an old standard Frisbee. But this is what our students won as they won the competition. Out of 1,300 students, they won the ultimate Frisbee competition at camp this week. Can you give them a hand for that? Now, what greater... 
What greater award could you have than to have the actual Frisbee that was used all week in the competitions spray-painted gold? This is a crown to hold on to because it means something, maybe not to you and I, but it means something to them. But here's what I mean. This is why it's a great illustration of this. Our students went three years ago to this same camp, and they had really never participated in Ultimate Frisbee, and our kids... uh, you know, we don't have a lot of kids that are the star athletes on their teams. We have a phenomenal group of kids that love and care for each other. But they wanted to learn Frisbee. And so you know what they did? Three years ago, they didn't win a game. They lost their first competition game. Last year, so they, they started practicing. If you know anything about our students, they get together every Sunday afternoon and they play ultimate Frisbee for hours in whatever kind of heat. They'll be out there again today, I guarantee it. But the reason they do that is because they wanted to do something together as a team. Last year they went, they won their first game, but lost their second game. Now, this is in a world where typically as churches, if you ever went to church youth camp, they typically bring all the star athletes and the star athletes who may not be in church the rest of the year come to youth camp to win the championships. And they changed the rules this year to, so that normally it's co-ed. You have to have a certain number of girls in your team, and this year they made it all boys. Well, our team have practiced so much over the last three years that our team with four girls and three boys on their team won against an all-boy high school baseball team in Ultimate Frisbee. Yes! I'm not going to throw this into the crowd like last week, all right? But what did they do? They pressed on. They saw something that was hard, and they went after it. Now, they couldn't have gone just year to year and just say, we're just going to go, we're not going to, you know, we're just going to go and play, we'll be out the first round, no big deal. No, they practiced. It was hard. They pressed on. You and I need to do the work of seeing Christ overcome and make it, seeing his freedom come and breaking the chains over issues of our past, not just because of you and I, but because of others who need to see Jesus Christ in you. Because your kids need to see Jesus Christ in you. Because your grandkids need to see Jesus Christ in you. And to see that you're, you, yes, you have that issue in your past, but if you press through, this is what it becomes. What we discover is this. Jesus becomes our past. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin which so easily trips us up. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us, that by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion, and here we see salvation and sanctification, who initiates, that's salvation, our faith, and who perfects our faith, that's sanctification as we walk it out. Jesus Christ becomes our past. Listen to what 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21 says. I'm going to go through this quickly, but it's very, 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 very poignant, and I encourage you to write this passage down and go back and study it. 2 Corinthians 5, 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him as thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. All this is from God. Through Christ who reconciled us to himself. And he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, going, okay, big words, reconciliation. Here's the deal. 
Jesus Christ came into our lives, not just for us, but he gave us the very ministry that once we were lost and our past held us back, it no longer holds us back. This is like Osama bin Laden becoming the director of Homeland Security. It's preposterous for us on this side to think about this. It's like the drug lord El Chapo taking over an anti-drug campaign. This is who Jesus Christ has made us to be, that our past, which we held, it held us back, We are now the ambassadors to others because Christ has redeemed us and he swallowed up our past. He says, therefore, in verse 20, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal to others through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ. We beg you, be reconciled to God. That's my my plea today to you is be reconciled to God. If you don't have this relationship that I'm talking about, be reconciled to God, not just for you, but for our sake. Here's where it says, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin. That's Jesus. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Here's what Jesus Christ did. He went into your past and he swallowed it up. And he said, your past will never hold you back. There's a movie that's coming out that I probably will not go see. It's an Adam Sandler movie, and it's something about our old video games. When, uh, aliens got hold of them, and now they're coming back and eating us. All right? and, but uh, one I loved was Pac-Man. How many of you loved Pac-Man okay, back in the day? All right, Some of you still love it. All right, But here's Pac-Man. You know what he's doing. And, what is he? and so when he is flashing or when the ghosts are flashing, he can swallow up all the ghosts of our past. Jesus Christ went into your past and he swallowed up all the issues, all the things, and he made all of them righteous so that he actually will use the fact that you were a child of divorce. He will actually use the fact that you were abused. He will actually use the the addictions of your life to do what? To be an ambassador to help others with the things that they struggle with because they see somebody whose life was changed and they go, if they can be different, I can be different too because of what Christ has done. Jesus, this is Hebrews 13 verse 8, says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Listen to this statement. Jesus went into your yesterday because he's yesterday, today, and forever. He went into your yesterday, swallowed up all your past with his righteousness. He lives in you today, and he is celebrating you forever. That's what Christ wants to do in your life and in my life. When we clarify our focus, the last thing today is this. We need to celebrate our citizenship. Celebrate. Philippians 3 verse 20, towards the end of this passage, he says, But we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. He will Take our weak, mortal bodies, and he will change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. As I mentioned earlier, you know, we can, we can have political sides on, on immigration and all these things, and that, that's fine. But here's the truth. When I see children from Honduras, I don't think some child out there in the world I think of those kids in La Pradera that I have ministered to. And here's the beauty of this. How come the church is not 
what I believe we're called to do as the church, the bride of Jesus Christ, is to go into Honduras and help their lives to become greater. That they don't want to come to America. They want to be the ambassadors of Jesus Christ in Honduras. Amen? That is what we want them to do and to experience. We want them to have the joy of sharing with their own countrymen, their own country, uh, to, to who Christ is in their lives. And we need to understand that we are citizens of heaven. Jesus Christ came into our lives and immediately made us citizens of heaven. And he changed us forever. As I've told you before, I believe wholeheartedly that when we accept Christ as our Savior and Lord, heaven doesn't wait for us. We get a dose of heaven right then and there. Because I believe where Christ is is where heaven is. Okay? Heaven is wherever Jesus is. And where is Jesus, church? He's in us. And because Jesus is in us, when we walk this out, heaven began in you the moment you accepted Christ because your citizenship changed. But you may hear all of this today. And you may go, you know what, Randy, I understand what you're saying, but your past and my past are two different things. They are. I don't know everything that you've been through. But Jesus Christ does. Maybe this video would say it more plainly than I could ever say it. So I want you to watch this, and we're going to come back and unpack it as this final point today. Watch this video.
things I see in that. The last thing is it takes a picture of you. What will that picture show? Let me declare over you the truth that if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, this is what he says. Revelation 21. The end of God's written word, he declares this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. And the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. That's how God sees you. A bride beautifully dressed for her husband. Clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home now is among his people. He will live with them. They will be his people. God himself is with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain or shame. All these things are gone forever. And the one who is sitting on the throne, Jesus Christ, says this. Look, I am making everything new. Your past doesn't keep you from Jesus Christ. Your path qualifies you to be used by him, to be avenues to a world, to people around you who need to see him. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for this day, for this opportunity to see the truth of what your word says about us. God, I pray for those who are here this morning that have never asked you to come into their lives, that today they would be new, that they would invite you, that they would simply say, Jesus, we want you to be Lord over us. Lord, I pray for those who hear this message today and they have real struggles with their past. They have real hurt in their hearts and lives. 
They have real things that seem to hold them back. And God, I pray that they would see you swallowing up your past, their past, and only seeing your righteousness in their lives. Father, we we ask you to do your work in your way with your people, God, this week. In Jesus' name, amen.